Happy Halloween and welcome! You are listening to episode 5, or as I like to affectionately call it, the Halloween episode of Modern Beers and 90s Nostalgia. My name is Justin Lamb, I am your host as per usual, and joining me today we have all the way from Los Angeles, California. That's about... 400,000 miles away. Well, it feels that way because it's 40 degrees in Michigan right now. Uh, my best friend, Chad. Chad, say hi. Do you want to know how um, how hot it is here, or it was today? Yeah, go nuts. You know? It's 106 degrees according to my phone. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, it's either 40 now or it's getting there. No, let's see, 46. So it's <laughs> almost... So Chad, uh, I've known Chad since, how long have I known you? Since I was like uh, well, 11, at your 11 wedding, or 12? At your wedding a couple years ago, I said it was an entire Justin Bieber. So it's, um, so does that mean it's still a Justin Bieber? Do we? Well, yeah, does our friendship I mean, age with Justin Bieber? Well, I mean, it would not. I mean, <laughs> time is linear. There you go. If you believe that kind of thing. Yeah, it's perfect for the podcast. We met in the... Uh, direct dead center of the 90s right in 94 95 area yeah 94 yeah something like that yeah 94 was that's right sixth grade folks i'm gonna be 96 next year i can't do math um so hey halloween episode very exciting two main subjects we're gonna cover today is uh scream the greatest the, uh, the michael jackson song <laughs> No. And and the Misfits, the 1961 Marilyn Monroe movie. Yes, I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. I feel like you didn't get my email that talked about the 90s Scream movie and the 90s Wait, that's, Return of the Misfits. I, you, you know, I did think the 1960s movie was kind of outside the the purview of this podcast, but yeah. So now that you mention it, that does seem a little weird. I read the six upside down. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. I got you. But but the Michael Jackson song is well within the uh, the the '90s. Yeah, but uh, constraints of a show. As scary as that song is, uh, we're not going to cover that. Though I did see an advertisement today that there is going to be a Michael Jackson animated special on something like CBS, and uh, they're going to use some of his old music and some uh, apparently previously unreleased stuff. Oh, thank God! You know, I think. <laughs> I think he's the only human being that will actually look more normal and less weird in a cartoon form. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair assessment. You with me on that? Yeah. Yeah. So today, uh, being Halloween, we have a special Halloween beer. This is from Rochester Mills Brewing, which is right in downtown Rochester, Michigan. It's a wonderful little brewery. I tell you what, they have the best calamari uh, i've become quite a calamari connoisseur i always ask i'm the i'm the pretentious asshole that's like oh excuse me is your calamari is it strips or is it rings because if it's the rings with the tentacles that's lower class calamari and i prefer the calamari steak that's cut into strips and it's it's just ridiculous so we have blood red undead ale from rochester mills beer company and it is, I'll show you a picture on the website. It's pretty creepy looking. A little half zombie face, half hot lady eye. And it's a special limited edition for Halloween 2017. It is just a red ale. I was expecting it to be a little more red and, you know, taste like the blood of children being Halloween and all. But just, uh, just normal, apparently. And that is delicious. And I'll, like I said, post a picture and you can see it and you can go buy it. I know there's a few stores that have some left still. And until they sell out, go pick it up because it is delicious. And Rochester Mills is pretty widely distributed at this point, especially in Michigan and a little bit outside. Youth America. And I can't 
wasted. This year marks the 21st anniversary of Wes Craven's Scream. It was uh, December of 96 that this horror masterpiece hit theaters, and originally thought by the cast themselves to be a one-off horror movie, uh, it instead defied those low expectations, and Scream actually may be one of the only movies to have a disappointing opening weekend, only to go on and make more money each weekend thereafter for like three weeks. So that means like if it made $31 million the first weekend, it did 32 or 33 the next, and so on. So it did very well, especially at a time when the horror genre was just dying but uh and that's that's what happened you know scream came along in the horror genre when everything was feeling played out two years earlier wes craven made a different kind of nightmare on elm street with wes craven's new nightmare in which the fourth wall is broken freddy krueger somehow crosses into our world and then the friday the 13th series uh that continued with sequels like jason goes to hell in 93 which actually (laughs) featured such a terrible scene a uh, medical examiner at the coroner's office essentially becomes Jason by eating Jason's heart. Yeah, sure. And then the general crap getting produced and released into the horror genre throughout the late 80s and early 90s created an even more popular cult following for movies that were so bad they were funny. Um, even cult classics like Evil Dead were done so poorly that when they made the sequel Evil Dead 2, which is what most people know, it was almost a remake of the first one, but leaning hard on the cheesiness and kind of accepting itself for what it was. And then Army of Darkness, the final movie in the Evil Dead series, leaned even harder. And it has been like a horror cult classic for years simply for that reason, because they like accepted where they were at. Evil Dead's great. So is that is that the main difference between the first one? I never really understood that like... They yeah, because if you just watch them, it's so confusing because you're like, yeah. you start watching, you're like, wait, this is the exact same movie. <laughs> What's happening right yeah. now? Yeah, so they just did it, but and but they you know, like acknowledged the cheesiness. And, yeah, and then they and leaned uh, in a lot harder. I don't think uh, I don't think Ash puts the like chainsaw on his hand in the first one. No, no, no. That's like Army of Darkness is way different. That's like when no, they no, no. Like Evil Dead Two, he puts the chainsaw on, but I don't think in the does first he really? One, yeah, oh, yeah. at the very end. Yeah, I don't think he does like that in the, the first end. one. But I, I think know, they man. rewrote it's, it, and they're like, "All right, this is what people think of us. Let's just yeah. do that." They realized he's more of a clown than he is like a serious actor. Yeah. Bruce and Campbell. Evil Dead. So. Did you see uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead, the TV show? That's that's. I think it's on its third season. If it's not oh, canceled. they're still. I guess with The Walking Dead, of course they're going to do that. Oh, man. It's, it's perfect, Zombies, though. Man. If you liked Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, it's such a great show. Um, cool. Yeah. I probably, won't, I probably won't watch it, though. <laughs> well, so uh, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, and then as the mid-90s were like reaching their climax, it was well overdue you know, to have something, hopefully, scary, uh, to bring back like the people watched halloween you know in 1978 in theaters and were like oh i can never have a babysitter again um and and jaws in 1970 wherever uh they said i can't go in the water anymore yeah and they're gonna need a bigger boat you can just edit that that in what year it is because i don't really (laughs) i'm not gonna do that but i'm gonna keep that sentence in there Um, okay but with you know with halloween and as you affectionately mentioned jaws Something had to be scary, but like fully accept its place within the genre because of what it had become. And that Vincent my, Van Gogh. Yeah. What Vincent you Van Gogh characters. And that's, I mean, I feel like that's where Kevin Williamson comes in because he's the writer for Scream and Wes Craven, obviously the director, and he's got the expert skills that put his name on so many great films. But um, I think it was Williamson who had the playful horror banter and like the witty recital of the now like iconic rules of surviving a horror movie that truly made this film like the ultimate genre staple that it is today. And like I said at the beginning, I mean, it's been 21 years and uh, I don't know if you know this, Chad, I had a, I had an outdoor viewing of scream. We had like a big 12 foot screen, had a bunch of people over and we watched it. And there was actually two people there that had never seen it before. And I was like, "Oh, nobody say anything." What? Yeah, they never seen Wait, it. They were were their, they the were were they the post millennial uh, generation? No, no, no. They, they were, were they were in their thirties. Uh, I mean, like twenty eight, twenty nine at the youngest. That's crazy, though. Yeah, it's. Nuts I mean, to me. it's just it's it, the movie is so like 
uh, has permeated popular culture to the degree that it's surprising when you hear of people that haven't seen it. Like it's oh, in yeah. the, it's in, it's in that pantheon. And yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how like a little horror, horror movie that they didn't, you know, have much, you know, high, the expectations were very high for did that. And I think it's, you know, I think the big thing for me, like thinking back on it, uh, I mean, it was huge for me at the time. Like it was a big deal. Because uh, I, I mean, I don't remember. I don't remember before seeing it, but I remember seeing it, and I don't remember the hype beforehand. No, but no, I remember no, I don't seeing think it. it. Was there? I, I don't remember. As, well, we saw it for a reason. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why. But um, it's a horror movie, and we were teenagers. <laughs> fair enough. Um, <laughs> but I remember seeing it and be like, "Wow, this is you know, this is definitely something different and something very." I don't know. I really liked it at the time. And then, you know, and then the pretentious film student that I became afterwards kind of like, I kind of wrote it off. Uh, and I haven't seen it since, but now thinking back on it, oh, you like exactly, it. exactly what you were saying about like the, the dialogue that are the, you know, the, um, it, it accepts, the, witty, the, yeah. the witty horror stuff, the, the stuff that's like self-reflective. Yeah. And it, it, it totally or, is. It's, it's one of the rare that, movies that like accepts, yeah where it is at the time like and it, i mean i'll talk about that in a second but it, it really it was out there it was like look i know where this genre's at and and i'm well aware of that and i'm going to kind of play off that and still try to make like a really great movie there's a formula to it a very simple formula everybody's a suspect well i i kind of um benchmark my life uh, according <laughs> to the, the 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 movies and stuff that i see that i'm way too young for oh yeah there you uh, go. so yeah well, that's i mentioned earlier uh jason goes to hell which was in 93 I remember seeing that like after it was in theaters and they put it on, uh, it wasn't USA. You know, I think I must've rented it cause it wasn't cut at all. There was a scene in that movie where they're at a campsite and the girl's like riding on top of the guy. And I was like, Oh my God. Cause I was, you know, super young. And, uh, then Jason slices the girl in half while she's on top of the guy. <laughs> nice. And I've been afraid of cowgirl position ever since guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They, I think it's safe to say that uh, uh, Jason Goes to Hell did for the cowgirl position what Jaws did to the ocean. Yes, that's that's the best analogy I think, I've I ever think, heard. I think that's its legacy. It's, I, if you're going to live up to something, it's it's got to be the cowgirl position. Yeah. Okay. I think that's why after that movie is when reverse cowgirl became popular. <laughs> Because uh, everybody, <laughs> everybody didn't, you know, they were scared of it, so they had it like, how can we change this enough that it's not scary anymore? <laughs> Turn her around. Yeah. <laughs> What's your favorite scary movie? Oh come on, you know I don't watch that shit. Why not? Too scared. No. No, it's just, what's the point? They're all the same. Some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act who's always running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. It's insulting. The script that kevin williamson wrote he originally titled it scary movie which is funny obviously because they went and made a parody of it called scary movie and i will take i'll tell you what and chad i hope you back me up on this and it might be in like uh, a, probably not but it might be it. in a box at your like mother's house somewhere but when uh, we me and chad wrote a parody of scream you like with him and me and like his neighbor and her friend Oh. And, Jill. and that parody was titled well before the parody of scary movie was made i wrote that parody and i called it scary movie oh because it was called scary movie originally because scream was called scary movie originally right yeah it was either that or it was because uh i you know i mean it's an obvious title because what's your <laughs> okay. scary movie like you know right but that was the right. title of, oh, I mean, I wrote yeah. that movie, I wrote that parody, and they even said some of the same jokes. Don't get me wrong. Some of that shit is super obvious, but I take some credit, regardless of yeah, the Wayne's you brothers. Should, <laughs> you should definitely take credit for that. I'm sure it wouldn't have been made without you. <laughs> so, uh, that script was uh, called Scary Movie. Shopped around Hollywood for a while, but they usually took it as a comedy. Because if you read the original script, the killer gets the shit beat out of him. So if you watch the parody scary movie and see like 
the piano and the grandma getting thrown down the stairs at the killer like the grandma obviously wasn't in there but like some of the shit that they do to the killer in the parody was originally written in the script and they had to change some of it because they're like this guy's got to be like somewhat supernatural he can't just get the shit kicked out of him all the time so uh finally it wasn't uh until the now released sexual predator the weinstein brothers uh got a hold of it that they really found a home at miramax and dimension and they made it kevin williamson's way and got wes craven who's like the best horror director ever rest in peace it's actually he's uh two years gone now or maybe just a year year and a half wes craven died i I forget that he died yeah it was like a year and a half ago i went to i met i went to a, a screening of scream on the 20th anniversary in chicago and Matthew Lillard, Nev Campbell, and Skeet Ulrich were there, and they did like Q and A, and I met all of them, and it was amazing. And they, Wes Craven had died like two months earlier, and they they were like distraught over it. And it, surprisingly, even I'm jumping off track here, but even Matthew Lillard, who is like because of this experience, one of my favorite celebrities, because he's just the most genuinely nice person I've ever met in the like celebrity atmosphere. Um, he i guess would go to all the scream movies he'd go hang out on set with everybody even though he like spoiler alert turn it off uh he died in the first one he would go to the second oh come on man i I said spoiler alert i forgot about that i know but i (laughs) where am i gonna go if you don't know then you're just an asshole because you were there i was there but uh, he he went and hung out and like so Wes Craven was just this good friend of his that he didn't just do a movie with but he ended up just like going to his movies and hanging out with him and uh, becoming friends over the years and like he was probably more distraught about it than anybody it was, it was sad stuff but uh, Wes Craven I mean as someone that has loved his stuff since like his first last house on the left which was before I was born but obviously I knew about that Nightmare on Elm Street is like the original is unbelievable don't get me wrong they do some weird shit when you get into like dream warriors and stuff but the original johnny depp is the boyfriend that gets like sucked into the bed and blood spattered everywhere like that movie is amazing and it scared the shit out of me when i was younger drew barrymore is beautiful and also she signed on to do the 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 movie scream is the movie and here's a fun fact found out recently did you know that she signed on uh they cast her as sydney i did because i read this little thing that you're reading oh well screw you then but yeah no she sent uh, it to me but no i didn't know i didn't know that before yeah she signed or she signed on and they cast her as sydney and she's like no no wouldn't it be great if i played casey because then i would die in the first 15 minutes and everyone was that entirely her idea uh it it was a yeah from everything i've read like interviews between her and uh Wes Craven and stuff. It was all her idea too. That's awesome. Because uh, I'll say this, like I I told you my initial, like my initial um, feeling from watching the movie was like, this is something different. And, And that part where she dies, she gets killed so unexpectedly was a major uh, like inflection point in the movie where you're just like okay this is something different this is not oh, yeah. your average you get the biggest movie. name that you can get signed on to it and then you kill her off in the first 15 minutes of the movie that's great like your next biggest name is courtney cox from friends which at the time was not a million dollar an episode show and then you get uh nev campbell from party of five like those are your two names after drew barrymore dies so you're like really banking on this doing a really good job how big was party of five like how long it had been around had it been around you know it's funny so i don't know if people know this about me or not i know i've mentioned it once or twice but i was like straight up obsessed with nev campbell when i was growing up she i still think she's what that doesn't sound like you you know too well um but i I still think she's one of the most beautiful people in the world and her talent is like uncanny from her like early childhood dance career that led to her doing the stunts she pulled off in the scream movies and like her wildly uh, uh long list of films that she's done since then and 
stuff she's working on now house of cards she's amazing but um i don't know where i was going with that maybe i just wanted to compliment her oh i but i well, never i never watched party of five like it wasn't a show i tried i have tried to start that show from the beginning at least five times and just been like no like i don't care <laughs> i mean you really got to stick with it for the first like four and a half seasons but like <laughs> once the fifth season kicks in you're hooked it's just yeah. i don't I, I never got in the funny thing is i always watched uh if, if i'm not mistaken and i'm sure i'm probably mistaken but the show that was on before that was uh melrose place is that wrong um my memory is uh is not that great from that time period i don't know what uh, it was it might have been melrose place it might have been something else but i remember i always watched the show oh no no you know what it was it was dawson's creek and then party of five so we i mean that makes more sense yeah we'd always watch dawson's creek and then i could give a shit about party of five and it was and even at that time i was i was super into nev campbell i mean you were there and we'd watch dawson's creek and then party five would come out and like our friend Derek, who was obsessed with both shows, would be like, "Everybody, shut up!" And be like, "I don't, I don't care about this show." Like we can you know, mute it, and I'll just like everybody look talks at it. about. Like Dawson's Creek Night was like a huge thing that like people like will reminisce about or like uh, I was only at one of those. I'm pretty sure I only went to one Dawson's Creek Night. Just to clarify, so people know what we're talking about, our and I think Chad's a big pile of liars, but he might not be. Um, every Wednesday night, our group of friends. Um, it was our junior year and their senior year. Uh, we would get together at our friend's house and watch Dawson's Creek because two of our friends were like obsessed with the show. And then once you watch a few episodes, all of a sudden you know everything that's going on. So then you're watching the whole show. Um, Chad apparently just claimed he was only at one of them. I remember going like every, I mean, in my defense, or I guess in your defense, Derek lived like half a mile from my house. So going there on every Wednesday was no big deal. <laughs> Yeah, I lived a little further, but more importantly, Dawson's Creek blows. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? Joey, Dawson, that other guy or girl? Great stuff. So the rest of the cast that lives out the rest of the movie until they don't uh, could not have been more perfect. You know, Nev Campbell's portrayal of the like strong yet fragile Sydney Prescott. And like I explained with her dance and stuff, like she did her own stunts and rolled around and fell and got beat the crap out of. And it was amazing. Um, Courtney Cox, who was regularly associated with friends role. She actually commented on how she See, wanted- I thought she was regularly associated with dancing in the dark. <laughs> the B movie from I, the nineties? No, no, no. The the music video. The Springsteen music video, right? I mean oh, if you're gonna put her in a music video, it's gotta be Counting Crows, man. Whatever. She was in music videos. That's how everybody knows her. No, I mean, the friends, her thing was, friends. Friends was no, happening. Friends was super active at the time. Friends Friends was like a little like a little niche kind of project. But I mean, the music videos—that was that was her bread and butter for a little while. I mean, she was in two. I think you're the only person in history that's called Friends a niche project. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little. I mean, I didn't. I mean, when I first heard about Friends, they're like, "Hey, have you heard about the show Friends? It's really cool." And um, and I'm like, "Oh, you mean with Courtney Cox from the music videos?" And uh, I think it's to this day she is still better known for the music videos but i digress yeah if you guys uh know someone like chad then you are me because no one else thinks that way um oh thank you yeah i don't know if that was a compliment but she wanted to play uh gail weathers because gail weathers is such a bitch and her character on friends is such a nice ocd lady and then you know the rest of the cast matthew lillard uh was he was discovered he was visiting his girlfriend in the production office and the casting agent worked across the hall and was like excuse me would you like to audition for for this movie um that's how she talked i heard a clip i i feel like most matthews they become actors are accidentally discovered like Like, mcconaughey yeah (laughs) I feel like that's probably true for most Matthews. I don't know what it is about that name. But. Matthew McConaughey was about to go to court for, you know, statutory rape. And they were, he was like, I, I get older, they stay the same age. They're like, hold that. 
can you put that line into this movie I'm making? And that was dazed and confused. Yeah, and then he quit whatever he was studying at, uh, at U, U of T Austin or whatever, and he went into a place uh, Wait, known as They Hollywood. have a university of testicles? Yeah. Wow, Austin's crazy. Yeah. Test you. That's what they that's what they call it. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know you learn about all kinds of uh, all kinds of an- anatomical. Uh, uh, anyway, continue. The best part about Scream and the revival movies it inspired is the killer. So there's something extra scary and discomforting about the psycho killer being like a normal person. I mean, obviously I use the term normal loosely, but the fact that the killer is just an average Joe creates this very real possibility for the audience that they could be one of the victims in the movie. So by but creating... That, what? Go ahead. Was that not was that not a thing before? Like, no, was I Scream mean, like the, the, the I mean, first time yourself, that a slasher movie? No, no, it was not I mean, a first time. It was not a first time at all, but can you think of a movie from like Halloween in 78 until then, like Freddy Krueger was not realistic Friday the 13th. I mean, if you watch any of those, he's this like guy that cannot die. Like I mentioned earlier, he, you can kill him and eat his heart and he becomes someone else. Like the, everything became this supernatural killer, even like evil dead, funny or horror. Like it's still like this pseudo psycho weird world that doesn't actually yeah, exist so super super supernatural no yeah thank you that's the supernatural that's the word i was looking for but no uh, they, they, well, they didn't do that for i mean a good yeah. decade decade well, and a half right right because jaws can be for uh halloween yeah. and, and jaws, 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 jaws i feel like jaws was not supernatural as far as sharks go i think he was a pretty normal shark <laughs> he was big, You've clearly bigger, never been on the jaws ride bigger than oh yes i have are you kidding me <laughs> there's nothing well, normal I mean, about that shark. well i mean here's the thing about the jaws ride in la the jaws ride is the warner brothers uh studio tour <laughs> like when you like when you like you i remember before i moved to la i came and i was like oh my god i can't wait to go speaking of friends that were like they let us go and see the set of friends like we got to go out to central oh, park and stuff like that this is like when that. they were when they were still shooting oh yeah i was i had posters and shit but um uh <laughs> like i remember i was so excited like i was gonna go behind the, the behind the scenes to see how the movies were made because you know i wanted to go to film school and it was a fucking like amusement park attraction like the tram was like oh, yeah. yeah it's like i remember there was a new mummy themed kind of thing and it was kind of like a uh tunnel th- thing with some vertigo kind of effect fucking tunnel spinny thing and then jaws pops out of the water i'm like okay as cool as that is because who doesn't want to see jaws pop out of the water where are the like i want to see people making movies like i don't understand oh, yeah. so you, in LA, went, you went on the wrong tour <laughs> Like maybe I did. I don't know, man. Well, Are we you... did go on the set of Friends, so I think it's. The, I think it was the tour, just like not what not what I was expecting. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I mean, that jumping back. <laughs> well, yeah. So the fact always... that the killer was a, like just a normal guy um, creates this very real possibility for the audience, and then by creating this like vicious combination of relatable characters and realistic regular people killers. Uh, Wes Craven, Kelvin Williamson create this devious spine tingling fear that is like essentially what every moviegoer is looking for when they go to see a horror movie. And then another fascinating thing that Scream did was stay true to its time. And I mentioned this earlier, but like many movies attempt and like typically fail to make their movies timeless. And the way uh, a poet wouldn't want to talk about an iPhone 5S, a filmmaker wouldn't want to feature AOL 5.0 in their movie. And it's very specific and always runs the risk of quickly being unrelatable to the audience after that time has passed. But Scream did the exact opposite. And the main prop, I mean, is a cell phone. Sydney used some, like, juiced-up version of DOS to dial 911. And then while all the, like, teenagers, Tatum aside, have got understated bland outfits like T-shirts and jeans... There's no taking attention away from Courtney Cox's portrayal of Gail Weathers with the poofy 90s reporter hair and, like, the loudest lime green suit you've ever seen. I mean, these things were all, like, embraced and, to some degree, hold up well when watching the movie today. 
I mean, at very. Can, can least. we talk about? Can we talk about the juiced up version of Doss? Because, like, <laughs> what was her? What was her background in in the movie? Like, did she did she have any computer science experience? Like, how did she she's, know how to? She's do on that? the computer in the first scene when Billy comes through a window, and oh, okay, so obviously because she was on a computer <laughs> in the nineties, she knows how to hack the phone system. Yeah, I don't know if you remember, but if you can make a web page on Angel Fire in the 90s, you could hack anything. This is true. This, <laughs> this is true. In fact, the little little teaser for the upcoming subject, I had a Misfits uh, website in the 90s dedicated to uh, lyrics, just putting up Misfits lyrics. I think I remember that. Yeah. I spent a lot of time on that. But Chad, it's why... important to keep in mind that a lot of us did things with the internet that weren't just search for pornography on AOL like yourself. No, I, that's not what I prominent, uh, primarily did. That's just the <laughs> first thing I did. <laughs> priorities, Chad, priorities. Correct. So the uh, the final thing that, that Scream did was, was keep going. So they made... Oh my God, what are they? They made four movies... Scream one, two, three, and four, and not I don't only think did I remember the fourth one. Oh, the fourth one is actually really good. I I actually like the fourth one better than the third one. But not only did they like keep their writer and director third one aside because Kevin Williamson opted out of writing the third one because he was busy with Dawson's Creek. Nope, I'm not going to talk about that. Um, but Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. I mean, we're talking Courtney Cox making million dollar an episode on Friends came back and did every scream movie after that Wes craven who only did nightmare on elm street one and then when he rewrote the entire series nine movies later for Wes craven's new nightmare he did that he stuck with it for all four and uh david arquette who has an interesting career to say the least he stuck with it as well and Scream 2, she goes to college. Like, they develop the characters, you know? Like, Sydney grows up and goes to college. Gail writes this book. Dewey's all, like, half-paralyzed. Uh, Sydney goes to California and says, I don't want to be around anybody, but I'm just going to hang out in Hollywood. And then uh, in the fourth one, Sydney comes back to Woodsboro because her niece is there, and some shit happens. I don't remember the beginning. But uh, they actually filmed that in Dearborn, Michigan, and I went down to the location. Out of this uh, holiest of films, as I call it, grew a plethora of other noteworthy horror flicks, helping to make like a genre staple in theaters for the first time since the eighties. Uh, Jordan, oh, can I can, can I guess? Well, yeah, go nuts. What do you got? We'll see what you mark off the list here. All right, uh, I think the most obvious one is um, uh, I know what you did last summer. Yeah, Jennifer Love Hewitt, also from Party of Five. Uh, yeah, oh, really? That's right. Yeah. That's right. I always think about that Lacey girl, but there were a few people on oh, that show. we'll talk about her in a minute. Oh, boy. You got any okay. more guesses? She came to my bar one time. Lacey Sugar. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, anyway. Um, I mean, if I really wanted a name drop, I would have done it with Drew Barrymore because we shared a cigarette at her house one time. But we're not, we're not name dropping here, are we? Um, Apparently we are. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Ouch. So, uh, along with Jennifer Love Hewitt in I Know What You Did Last Summer, Buffy star Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, was also in oh, that. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was, uh, oh, wait, she was in that. Yeah, I thought well, she was, she was in okay. Buffy, too, but she was, <laughs> she wasn't in right. the original Buffy, which, like, people, I forgot. I'm fine. No, it was, to, uh, I'm fine it was to defend, Swanson. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm fine to defend that and Luke, Luke Perry and in, in that movie. That's, that's a great oh. movie. But, uh, they also, Ryan Phillippe and Freddie Prince Jr. Were both. in I know what you did last summer. And they were also in like some of the best nineties movies ever, like cruel intentions. Um, and then, and, uh, and, uh, uh, she's all that. Don't forget that as one of the best nineties movies. I always forget all that. Time. Um, don't forget that. What about down to you? <laughs> yep. And no, that, that sounds like a random one that you just found on the shelf at blockbuster. I love that job. And, uh, on the same note of like nineties heartthrob guys, Josh Hartnett, uh, the faculty, or John Stewart gets killed with a John fire. Stewart. He, Josh Hartnett rips out a uh, the blade of a paper cutter, like the big like school a pa- paper ones. slicer. Yeah, yeah, and fucking takes out John Stewart with it. A young John Stewart gets murdered. Um, 
And then Josh Hartnett also did Halloween H2O when they rebooted Halloween after like Scream and all. And I know what you did last summer did so well. They brought back Halloween for another one with Jamie Lee Curtis. They did Halloween H2O. You know what? That's 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 another guy. Uh, Josh Hartnett, if you're listening, get in touch. We're worried about you. Yeah, we haven't seen you in a while, buddy. You okay? I know you've been gone for 40 days and 40 nights, but we need to hear from you. Is he Jesus? I don't know what that was in reference to. The but fucking movie, 40 Days and 40 Nights. Ugh. Anyway. Oh. Anyway, uh, clearly you picked the wrong guest. What did I say was before Party of Five, Dawson's Creek, and that starred Katie Holmes, who uh, joined a very young James Marsden in Disturbing Behavior, which I, I loved that movie. And then uh, mm. Rebecca Gayhart, who was not only the Noxzema girl, but she was also in Scream 2, she did uh, Urban Legend and joined Jared Leto from My So-Called Life. It's all the 90s things intertwined. Like I don't, I don't remember any of those. Yeah, that's. I think that's when you started. When Chad and me worked at Blockbuster together. Here's a history. When Chad and me worked at Blockbuster together in like uh, 98, should, 99. Should, that should be another spinoff podcast. Uh, I got a whole Blockbuster one I think I, we should do. But uh, oh my God. we worked together at Blockbuster in like the very late 90s, 2000. Um, I worked, I actually worked the night of 9-11, which I remember every moment of. But uh, we... Hmm. Yeah, we, we worked at Blockbuster together, and Chad went from watching this, like, teen crap with me to finding out about, like, actual artsy, amazing film movies, and he branched film off on movies. that and went to, yeah, you know what I'm talking I about. I got, I got into the film movies. I did. <laughs> I went off the, I went off the deep end, and uh, I got into- He became into, a film uh, student for a temporary amount of time. Don't you blame the movies! Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos for creating Okay, here's one thing that you're depriving of people of, your listeners. You haven't done the voice yet, and you were, like, great uh, yeah. at the voice. I had girls that would get, like, turned on by that Hillary. Hillary loved that yeah. voice. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. Um, so, right, uh, should I do the voice then? Well, I mean, what else are we doing if you're not doing the voice? I mean, come on, give the people what they want. All right, are you gonna be? Are you gonna be the girl? <laughs> no, I'm not doing anything in this role playing. Oh, I feel like I need someone. Just give me. I your, mean, give me your best girl voice. Are uh, you ready? You can just yeah. surprise me. Okay. Hello. Hello. Who is this? Uh, you know, it's just a girl. What number is this? It's the number that I called you from. I think you're wrong. No, no, I definitely called you from this number. I want to play a game. Oh, good, I like games. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Jaws. Is that the one with the shark with the knife? Uh, I think hang up on me again I'll gut you like a fish understand Um, there you go there you go no that's the one we were looking for is that the one with the shark with the knife that's that's good yeah Uh, let's just bring that up because people probably don't remember it by now Um, you're an asshole no uh no uh no well okay so i will say this like once you said the last part like that's when the voice kicked in but the voice you were using before i don't know if it's with age or not but you kind of sound like somebody doing batman (laughs) i'm batman amazing for movies and as we typically do we cover music as well the misfits are a band you might recognize from the punk scene of the late 70s and early 80s they started in 77 
and stayed around until 83 releasing multiple albums some you can never find and some stuff that didn't even come back around where you could find it until the 90s uh and then they they broke up in 83 and that band was founded by danzig who you might know from sam hain or his own solo stuff with danzig and they uh, <laughs> they came back in 95 and got got reunited without danzig and with a guy named michael graves as their singer and they uh released an album the misfits strictly wrote songs about horror movies that was their gimmick and they were fucking amazing at it so that is important to like put out there to understand why the misfits a random punk band from 1977 that got reunited in the 90s is a subject of this episode it's because all they did was write songs about horror movies and the fact that they weren't around from 83 to 95 meant they had a lot of room to make up for including stuff like poltergeist and nightmare on elm street and scream and friday the 13th and they did that with a lot of their songs that they released in the later 90s so in 97 which was 20 years since their first album they called it the 20 years of terror tour and chad and i went to that tour at clutch cargos in pontiac which is officially a church again they bought really? it. yeah oh yeah that was it was uh less than jake played their last show uh that's that's apropos i wish i was there for that yeah one. years and years ago probably like wow. four or five years ago and uh it was a church that got bought out became a concert venue and then you i mean me and chad went to concerts there constantly in high school it was constantly punk concerts there um and well then, i yeah until until then i made the shift to orgy and oh, then when, no, when we saw were, orgy there yeah okay i don't remember you being there but uh, oh yeah i was there cool. i was there for orgy i was there for uh, uh what's her name i'm like a bird only fly away. oh yeah what yeah the that's right who is, um, who is it uh leanne grimes <laughs> that's not right at all that sounds like a misfits name <laughs> <laughs> uh no it's something nelly, with an n natalie nelly, nelly? Nelly, nelly furtado nelly furtado i almost said natalie and bruglia didn't you meet her afterwards or something yeah i did meet her afterwards and i that was my first musician meeting and i embarrassed the shit on myself because i was like i was a fucking fat 16 year old and i was like <laughs> can i give you a hug because like that's that's me yeah um yeah anyway well, I, the clutch I, cargos uh, was a church that they bought and made a concert venue and uh now it is a church again for the first time in like 25 I think, years I, I think the misfits show was the first one that we saw i not the first one i saw the first punk concert i went to at clutch cargos or i might be the first punk concert i went to was dance hall crashers and weston and mxpx and that, oh, was, that was with my that was my before ian yeah yeah i was there yeah that was the oh yeah that was before that was that was okay. the first concert right. i went to because uh yeah and they didn't take too kindly to us uh newbies <laughs> that uh that all of a sudden you know went to one misfit show with michael graves as the singer uh and all of a sudden uh, i went out and bought i i bought a misfit shirt that night even before the show uh, like like i bought one before the show and i hadn't seen the misfits or even heard them but i bought it because i went i was really excited about it and i wanted to commemorate the evening but like i got so much shit for that uh and i think that's that might be why brian agamali uh, pushed me into the uh, skinhead mosh pit as a, uh, as a it was before the misfits went on but it was like daring so the openers were was H2O. it dropkick well, it was h2o no. it wasn't dropkick h2o and sick of it all h2 oh my god what a great show yeah and uh Why do, and i so would go, was, like i would go to that show today <laughs> yeah i would totally go to that show I mean, i'd, be, well, I'd actually be way more comfortable at this show today than i would have like, compared to what the misfits ago. are now then i would totally go to that show um well the misfits but, uh, so i mean we should judge on that too because jerry only one of the 
uh, the like founding members with uh, Glenn the, Danzig. The only guy left. He's, yeah, Jerry, yeah, no pun intended, but he is the only guy left. He took over lead vocals in uh, like I think 2000, 2005 or something maybe. And he's been leading the band ever since because Danzig, I'll tell you what, Danzig's original vocals on the Misfits are amazing. His original lyrics are amazing. Uh, his stuff that he, he like did by himself is okay i like some of it but he uh he dicked out on the misfits and then in the mid 2000s like joined them again and i'm such an asshole that holds a grudge sometimes that i like at that point if i was jerry only who'd been like hey i've been with this band for like fucking 40 years i would have been like fuck you bro you dicked out so hard like this is my band now. You don't get to come back and be the fucking front man. I I, I don't. Yeah, know. but I mean, they would make so much more money if that happened. Wait, did Danzig really come back? Oh, yeah, they they've done like at least no. two or three tours with Danzig. No, no yeah, I don't no. Think so. I've I've I, passed up. So there's this place in Detroit called Harpo's. Chad, you know Harpo's. Um, yeah, they have a death death toll. Yeah, death count. so that's that's perfect segue because uh, when me and Chad grew up going to punk concerts. Harpo's was this place that primarily did metal shows and they were known for being in like the shittiest part of Detroit and like every show they had people died like that's that was the reputation so when Misfits would come we saw them at Clutch Cargo's in Pontiac but when they would come to Harpo's like we did not go to that show and later years when they got back together like they've toured with Danzig at least once I'm pretty sure twice so uh, I think I I, I I think you're mistaken though because if they would have gotten back together I would have seen it. Um, oh, but look at I think you, it, I you think pretentious just, bastard! Well, hold on, hold on. So That's he what did cell Danzig. For. Danzig did do shows with Doyle. The two of them got together and were playing mis- old Misfit stuff, but Jerry was not involved. And I'm sure all the listeners right now care so much about that. <laughs> Yeah, but they they went back and referenced their their older stuff and the newer stuff. Like they had a song called "Walk Among Us" uh, on American Psycho, uh, which was a, a record of theirs, their first full length, I think. Oh, Chad, do you have my uh, video on right now? Do I have your video on? Can I? Yeah, I can see you. I can see if that's what you're asking. Yeah, that. Lo- okay. Oh wait, wait, when? Oh wait! Well, what the? We'll close out the year. I got to get tickets to that show. Yeah, that's this year. So you blow just, my mind. Just announced, uh, just announced on this show, Glenn Danzig will be joining Jerry Only and Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein, part of the original lineup, uh, to close out the year in Los Angeles. This one is announced on August in 2017. If you hear something in the background, it's Chad's fingers feverishly on the keyboard looking for tickets. Yeah, Yeah, because in case you missed it, I live in Los Angeles, so that works out really well for me. Yeah. Oh, my God, uh, they're at the Forum. Holy shit. (laughs) The Forum is a big venue. So if you want to, Chad's going to start a Kickstarter and a GoFundMe so he can buy these tickets. Uh, Hey, I work three days a week, so I think I can afford these tickets. So the Misfits came back in 1995 and released uh, uh, with a, almost a brand new lineup, but including Jerry Only and Doyle Von Frankenstein, which were part of the two original. And, Doyle wasn't technically part of the original, but he came on like within the first year. Yeah, and he's Jerry's brother, so I mean, yeah, um, yeah it's a family, it's a family thing. And the uh, the drummer they added was Doctor Chud. Yeah. And Do we want to get into that at all? Uh, we will shortly. And then okay. Michael Graves, which 
I thought I had some stuff on him because uh, his. Uh, oh, here we go. Are you ready? I'll tell you about Michael Graves. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> no, seriously, he's he's. Uh, uh, go ahead. So the band, uh, the Misfits, now reformed with one original founding member, Jerry Only, and like I said, Doyle von Frankenstein, but he was technically like a year in. Uh, they held open auditions for a new vocalist in 95. And then this 19-year-old guy comes in named Michael Emanuel. <laughs> uh, and he had recently recorded a demo tape in hopes of like starting a music career. And, but the owner of this recording studio that he knew uh, said he should audition for the Misfits. And he didn't know any Misfits songs, so he listened to them for like two weeks and then impressed by the band he went in with his audition and was accepted as a new lead singer and with the pseudonym and i just found this out like i don't know how i just missed this i, I guess that's one of those like you look at all the letters together and you just see the spelling this so, spelling's off yeah so it's michael graves yeah. but it's actually like mccall <laughs> mccall yeah i actually in my, one of my uh, language arts uh writing pieces that i did did like a science fiction story and the lead character's name was spelled like that and i remember the teacher mr um what was the dagan's dad's name Rothbard? mr mccarthy oh um, yeah mr yeah, mccarthy yeah, yeah. remember dagan dagan um get your yeah, dagan he, on he would read it as mikhail and i was like no it's michael because obviously it's like michael <laughs> graves because yeah if it's the lead singer in the misfits he clearly was the person that spelled it and pronounced it right and that's Correct. that's actually yeah. that album is the same time that Doyle changed his name to Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. Yeah, and, which is not douchey whatsoever. I mean, it's <laughs> actually actually I remember telling my uncle because I had a giant. It was like Thanksgiving, uh, and it was my step family too, so they're way more prone to judging you. Um, which is funny because uh, I know your real family and they're super judgy. <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, this was my cool, like, uh, part I of my mean, family. Yeah, no, I imagine, like, Ken's family was less judgy than, like, the Rick family. No, uh, but but they have, a, they have a side of the family in Ohio that's way, that's really cool. They're actually normal people. And uh, it was this uncle. But I remember I went to Thanksgiving dinner with a misfit shirt that was, like, a large, and I wear smalls. And it was, <laughs> if you so didn't know, was, Chad wears small t-shirts, and his well, large I, I, I've gotten a little bigger, so I've actually gone up to mediums. But oh. I still have to roll. I still, I still have to roll up to Steve's because you can't find mediums. If I could find mediums, I would rock those. But only in Lord of the Rings sizes do you find Smeagol mediums. Uh, sure. Um, and uh, anyway, so I had this misfit shirt that shirt on that was two sizes too big, and had a giant picture of Doyle's face on it, and like a purple misfits logo above it, and. And uh, and on both sides too. It's like on I both sides. Shirt. You had a whole Misfits wardrobe. Yes, I had, you had ten like, yeah, different yeah. shirts. I was going to say you had at least six, but so ten, right? Well, I had ten at one. At the height of it, I had ten oh that I would just God. rotate throughout the week. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's what made me so cool with the uh, the the OG Misfits crowd. <laughs> That's why. Uh, that's why I sustained like, a few bruises. Chad, I've seen you every day for the last week and a half. You've worn a different Misfits shirt every day. Yeah, but the thing is, here's the thing: I could still buy ten shirts and not buy the same one as somebody else because they had so many fucking shirts. Well, yeah, so that's there's uh, Misfit shirts are a huge thing, right? So there's, there's I, three. I, things I don't know where I all my say. old ones went. There's, they're so good. I got. First of one. all, I blame your mother because I blame my own mother. I had one. Uh, I had one misfit shirt. Don't blame at the my time. mom by proxy. Don't was, bring my mom into this. Well, no, the, at the time you had 10, I had one and you'll probably remember it. Cause it was the misfits. logo was white text with like a red outline. And then it was the crimson ghost skull underneath it. And it took up the whole fucking shirt. Like it was the crimson ghost skull. I mean, that's, that's uh, like, a, that's, the, that's, and, uh, oh, I'll uh, tell you what guys, key. if you're listening to this, I put a picture of me and Chad, in high school, we did a Misfits cover band for a Battle of the Bands. I'll put a picture of that up on the on the website. But, I was I was hoping we'd get into that. Oh, for sure. And you're not wearing a shirt now, and you're not wearing a shirt in that picture, so it's like kismet. But um, <laughs> sure. I mean, I had, you know, so I had this, I I had this Crimson that... Ghost shirt, and my mom hated it. That is the first shirt that I wore that I came home in, and she goes, "Are you are you doing drugs?" And I, no, mother, I'm doing drugs. <laughs> I,
I was at Target in, uh, God, this had to be, where was that? Minneapolis, maybe? Uh, I travel for work and I was at Target in, like, Minneapolis. And I go to their little graphic t shirt section and they have a goddamn Misfits Fiend Club t shirt. And, of course, I, I was pissed off. And, of course, I bought it because, you know, it's a goddamn Misfits Fiend Club t shirt. And I brought it home and, in my head, I was like, I'll wear this, but I'll never tell anyone where I bought it because I bought it at Target. And if you're anything like me and Chad, you know there was those people that got the fucking Fiend Club t-shirt because they were part of the goddamn Fiend Club. And it was, it seemed almost like it was tough to get in because you had, you had to pay for membership to some degree. And our parents were going to pay for us to be in like some membership thing that gave us a goddamn skull emblem on our jacket. And then, uh... My buddy came over for a fantasy football draft. Tim, Chad, Tim Whitehead, came over. Tim Whitehead. And he was wearing the fucking Misfits Fiend Club shirt. And I was like, Tim. He's like, yeah. It's like, Target? He's like, yeah. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and that is the world we live in now. You had, I grew up with one Misfits t-shirt. You grew up with 10. And either way, we thought we were cool as shit because they were hard to get unless it was fucking top, uh, Hot Topic or a concert. And the people that were true Misfits fans had to order like Fiend Club shirts through the mail order fucking fan club. And yeah. now it's 2017 and my friends are showing up to a goddamn fantasy football draft with a Fiend Club Misfits shirt they bought at Target. So thank you, Chad, for coming on and joining the podcast. Uh, you guys can always follow us on justinlandmusic.com slash podcast or on any social network at Justin Land Music. And thank you so much for listening. This is our fifth episode, which is crazy because I've uh, been drinking and recording for five episodes now. And Chad, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, anytime. Looking forward to the blockbuster episode and the and I guess the action figures, which is going to be weird. But yeah, I'll tell you what, guys. Go on, like, share, and comment. Tell me about your blockbuster experiences. We'll make a whole episode about it. Me and Chad will go on with our blue and yellow shirts and tell you exactly how it was because we did entirely too many years there. I, you know, I don't still have my Blockbuster shirt, but I do have my Wendy's shirt. Um, <laughs> so we both worked at Why? Wendy's, too. Why do you still have your Wendy's shirt? I don't know. I think I had to give the Blockbuster shirt back, but the Wendy's, they didn't care. Valiance. So you wear your Blockbuster shirt, and I'll wear my Wendy's shirt, and we'll uh, we'll we'll do a, like a doubleheader kind of thing. We'll talk about return fees, which are sadly way more expensive if it's a ground beef. let me just say that your podcast is the worst piece of garbage that has ever uh, been on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs>